Josh Williams here with another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast. Uh, I'm very excited, guys. This has been the interview that I would say since I started the podcast, I've been looking forward to doing. Uh, today, my guest is uh, is a great friend. He's been a, a good mentor to me in the short you know amount of time that we've known each other. Um, he was a, a huge part of just getting the One Man Podcast off of its feet, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. He is a nationally touring headliner, has opened... Uh, for Bill Burr, he has performed a sold-out Madison Square Garden, and last night he filmed his first special at the Terrytown Music Hall uh, graduation party. I'm just kidding. I, I can't say enough nice things. Paul Verzi is my oh, guest. Thanks today, for buddy. having me, man, dude. Thank you so much. And of course, the host of T- uh, the Verzi Effect. How yes, did I, yeah. how did I not say that? Yeah, doing um, that a long time too. Yeah. So thank you so much. You've welcomed me into your home. We're recording this podcast the day after your special film. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that's. You know, amazing. I must like you after last night. <laughs> I gotta say that was great. And we're gonna talk about everything. And uh, yeah. so I just want to start with, like, dude, how do you feel? This the special is filmed. It's, uh, you know, to be honest, it's still a little surreal. It was, it was just so much leading up to it and it was, um, just traveling in airplanes and not knowing, honestly, not knowing what day, like I was, I was in, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, I drove to Delaware. Then I came back, I was Phoenix. Then right when I got back from Phoenix, I had to go to Boston. And then when I like, I'm, you talk, no, I'm sorry. After that, after Boston, I had to go to the Montreal comedy festival. And that was nerve wracking because I had to do eight minutes on Kevin Hart's Show. All right, laugh so out I did, loud. I did a television taping for his, <clears throat> excuse me, for his uh, Laugh Out Loud network, and they were like, "Listen, you know, they're gonna own that." So I tried saying no. <clears throat> oh, they were gonna own the material. I, tr- I tried. I tried saying no, and my manager was like, "You know what? Can we? You know, JFL was good to me, and they were. He, you know, she. My manager was like, "Can we get him on another show because he's doing a special and that's gonna be eight minutes." That, and they're like, "No, no, he'll be fine." And like they kind of just really, you know, kind of pushed for Sounds me. Sounds like strong arm a little. Yeah, yeah. They were like, and I was like, all right, you know. So I had to do that. So that was really nerve wracking. And then uh, come back, and then boom go fly out to Cleveland and come back and run the set in New York. So it's been so much, so much on my family, so much on me and just getting the set right and questioning the set and doing all those different things. So last night, everything coming to a head and, um, it's, it feels, yeah, it's a relief. Um, I have a little vacation now, nice. so I'm just gonna, um, you know, but I gotta tell you something, the, the culmination of everything and seeing the hard work and, and, uh, you know, as, as listen, I'll say this and I, I know it may sound corny, it may sound cliche, but, um, you know, dreams come true, man. And, and if, if this can happen for me, you know, it can happen for anybody that really works hard is, it really is just working hard. Uh, you know, you know, Josh, you see me in, in Ottawa, you see me in Toronto. I, I, I take what I do seriously. You know, I'm not a guy that Absolutely. shows up late and drinks and, and does all that shit. I, I want the hour to be good. I mean, I, you know that I've taken, you know, light money for gigs, like yeah. working up to this thing. It's like, it's not about the money now. If you're looking at money now, you're making a big mistake. You got to, it's about, you're going to get anything that you want to get. You just have to put out good stuff. And once you put out good stuff, you're going to be compensated for it properly, but you just need to get there. Right. And that's, that's exactly, you know, how I felt. So I was taking gigs for light money, but it was like, let's get the hour good. Let's get the hour good. And, um, well, and that's how we met too. Because yeah. Like we, I mean, I, I saw you, uh, at the national arts center and, uh, at TD place, both in Ottawa. Yes. And I saw just a little piece of, of the hour when you open for Burr in Ottawa. 
and then when you came up to do absolute we got to work together for a week and i saw i got to see you know the hour at least the the good first 50 minutes kind of thing and then we worked together in toronto i saw it evolve so over the time that we've known each other i've seen the the content of this special just get stronger and stronger and then i hadn't seen you since toronto but the buzz around the 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 special the hour was unreal like everybody when joe was here i, I spoke with joe a few weeks ago and joe was saying like dude you got to see it now it's it's next level uh, next level story and uh you know burr on his podcast was talking about it and i was just i gotta tell you in all honesty last night watching it there was so much that i hadn't seen so much that i'd seen grow from, yeah. from what i'd seen last dude and i was sitting there like a kid at christmas grinning ear to ear like i was so happy for you oh thanks dude man. i was so so happy for you and it was it was outstanding it was at, like absolutely outstanding. I'm you really, really excited. You think man. so? I, I appreciate oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was it was crazy because after the first show, I got off stage, and this is real, man. Like this is some like inside stuff. I'll give your podcast, but after the first show, I came off, and everyone's like, "You did it! You nailed it! You got it in the can!" And I I had fun the first show, but there were things that I knew that I could. I was just like, you know what? Now that I kind of have the lay of the land. Maybe I'm going to add this or I'm going to, it was just, a, it's a different feel with the special. And like I was saying, um, when you do a special in a theater, um, it's not like doing a theater show normally, because right. normally when you do a theater show or I've had the, um, you know, honor and privilege of opening for Bill Burr and some of the biggest theaters in the world, uh, Carnegie Hall and all these Chicago theater. And, um, it's always dark and it's like, you know, you see the first couple of rows and then it's dark and you're just right. up there telling jokes and you're going with beats and laughs and it's a dark room. Now I'm going out there and I'm like, yeah, are they going to dim the lights and like kind of for a special, not really on camera. It's going to look a lot darker than reality. Um, for the, I get that, you know, I so that. I was just like, all right. And so once the first one was out of the way and they were like, oh man, you're playing with house money now, go out there and just get some, <laughs> you know, you know, get used parts if you have to right. or whatever. Um, but uh, the second one, the one that you came to, I think was definitely, um, for me, I felt better. I felt like it was just the way that I wanted it. And uh, the relief and everything afterwards, it was just a, a surreal, it was a surreal feeling. And But to have the love and support, man, you know, Bill Burr there, Pete Davidson there. But then not only that, then, like, you know, you see some of the biggest agents in the world. Right. You know, biggest agencies and people and, and TV executives going in saying, hey, we're happy to be here. Good luck. And then, you know, my friends Bobby Kelly coming in and, and the Honest Pappas and Sal Vicano. You know, you guys know Sal Vicano from Impractical Absolutely. Jokers. Sal is such a, a great dude. And, and uh, me and him are becoming really good friends. And he's like, man, I wouldn't have missed this. And just having all of them, like when it's showtime, rush out and knowing that everybody's there and this is your time and this is your moment. And it's like, but I said something, I said, you know what? This is what it is. This is what you play for. Right. Yep. It's like th this moment you want and now it's here. So it's like, yeah. what, this is what we do. So it's like, you, like, go out there and do it. You got an opportunity to go out and do it. So to answer your question, I'm sorry if I was no, long winded, take, take as long as you want. It was, um, it was surreal. I'm still coming down from it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the after party, which you were at, we're yeah. on the water on the Hudson river and the water <laughs> with the Tappan Zee bridge, the new Tappan Zee bridge and the, and the old one next to each other. Cause they're building it and just having the, seeing the boats and, and then Bobby Kelly pulling out Cuban cigars and everybody in there and the place staying open until three in the morning on the water it was just a, oh was everything was unreal everything was unreal <laughs> it was unbelievable we were and it's funny enough because we're the the airbnb we stayed at the uh the host was walking us through uh tarrytown and of course tarrytown music hall i don't know if we mentioned that's that's where you filmed your yes special. i filmed at tarrytown Music uh, beautiful hall. beautiful theater but we're walking back to the car to to meet uh for the after party and we're walking through sleepy hollow yeah and i didn't realize that that's like the you know quote unquote that's, legendary yeah. sleepy hollow with yeah. the headless horseman and everything i'm yeah. like that is so cool like again of all places 
the night was surreal. We're walking through this. <laughs> I was actually glad it wasn't in Sleepy Hollow just because I uh, I bombed at Sleepy Hollow, a country club. It was for all men. It was like a like a literally one percenters, like millionaire okay. and billionaires. Yeah. Um, very, very far right wing. And I made a joke about Chris Christie and I just, Jason Law had opened and killed. And then like I went up there and uh, they wanted no part of me. And I mean, I ate my balls in outside. These guys are eating like carved beef off of a, you know, just a spit. It was like yeah. these guys. And then they, they got also, like albino gorilla that they're eating. Yeah. Because and they just you know. came off this legendary golf course and they're smoking cigars and they're dressed up and they get in the locker room and they go sit outside and they got like servants giving them things. And then it's like, <laughs> all right, comedy, go ahead. And I ate my dick. So, uh, <laughs> it that, feels so, like the Kings and the old jesters. Yeah, yeah. You're like really just sitting in thrones. Like, like it got to the point where they were like, all right, you're done towards the end. Cause I started to talk about po politicians that they didn't like. And I was like, no, no. And I was like, oh, whatever. And I, lucky I just walked out. It was brutal. So every time I hear Sleepy Hollow is one of the, it was like a movie bombing. Right. It was, it would have, it would have been. Someone that. was writing a scene if of a bombing. Yeah. If a director was like, all right, listen, here's what's going to happen. He's going to come <laughs> up here. Maybe one person smile. I need everybody else looking at him like they hate him and a couple of people just, and, and it was awful. Um, so no, but Terrytown is, is next to it. And uh, that was uh, much better. Oh, it was great. And, and like I said too, the, the after party was, was amazing. You know, I didn't know, I didn't sort of know what to expect. I thought we were going to be inside a bar, but it was beautiful. We're outside, like you said, smoking cigars right yeah. by the water. It was, it was a great, it felt like if I could say this and not in a, in a derogatory way, but it's like, it felt like a, like a grad party. Do yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. felt like you just with your friends yeah. and something big, a big achievement just happened. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it felt like a graduation, at least a, a, a what is the word I'm looking for? Definitely just a movement forward. You know what I yeah, mean? A, yeah. a milestone. A, a mile, milestone, yeah. yeah. And I, I felt it too. I felt like after it was done, I knew I knew after that was done, especially like the second one, I knew that that was the one that I wanted. And I knew that the first one was good. And we all agreed if the first show would have been my special, I'd have been fine with it. But now seeing how, you know, how the second one went and what I did with the second one and the way I was just, it, it was way better. So... Um, yeah, man. I, and people say you're crazy. The first one was good, but there were little things, but once it was, I get that. I yeah. get that feeling. You know, though. as a yeah. comic, you know, and you just, you just like people could say it, but even like the director and everybody working on it, like, cause after the first show, I kind of got a little angry when people, everyone's like, that was great. And I'm like, watch, watch this fucking next one. Okay. And I kind of had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, like a chip on the shoulder. Okay. Like I had a little bit of a chip on just like, okay, you think that was good? Watch. And I went out there and like, you know, my agent, everybody went out there, but, um, to honestly, like, and I'm not saying this to be corny. If, if you, like, I was a guy who uh, wasn't invited to the, like, Dane Cook said this one time, and, uh, you know, I remember, like, him, and I don't know how true this is, but he said he wasn't a guy that was invited to the party. Mm -hmm. And then until he just had to make headway and do his thing. Um, I was definitely a guy not invited to the party. I was a guy who was like, well, you know, you heard what Bill said last night. He was like, you know, um, Paul wasn't one of those you know, alternative, you know, just like self-deprecating, bearded up, weird kind of, no, I'm a, I'm a guy's guy. I'm a family man. I, I have children, you know, I drink scotch. I smoke cigars. I love yeah. sports and I'm just a guy's guy. So that really wasn't popular when I was coming up. Montreal didn't want that. You know, JFL didn't want me. So I was always just, you know, put my head down and, and swallow hard sometimes and, right. and, and doing it and doing it. And then to have people that are just so big in the business there for my special, I just looked around and I, I actually at one point I said to my wife and listen, I have this is my first one. I have a lot of work to do. I have an album and now hopefully a special that people will see. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood. But it's like 
I just looked at my wife. I was like, you know, how, how do we get here? You know, how do we get here? I remember we were living in this tiny little thing and I had like six bad minutes and no manager. And my wife was like, and it was scary. You know, my son, my wife was pregnant with my son when I was like a feature, you know, and right. making like, you know, like a feature when like 600 for the weekend was good. And I got a baby coming. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. So I can honestly say, man, it was just plug away. Any comics listening to this, don't worry about money now. Because if nobody knows you, they're not going to pay you. You don't need to right. be. That nobody knows. No one's going to go, oh, well, that guy's funny, so let's bump him up. That, that's not reality. What it is is go in there, tell jokes that are so fucking undeniable and funny, and, and people will go, dude, that was great. I want you back. I want you here. And then you negotiate, and you up the money, up the money, and people keep coming back. You know, I told you, get a podcast. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you just get to a point where people can't say, like, you know, can't say like no to said, that it's, joke. it's... Be undeniable. That's one of the first things that you told me when we worked together. It's like it doesn't matter who's who's calling you to get booked or what festival, whatever. If you're undeniable, then you're going to be there. Well, you know my – I think you know my JFL story. My JFL story was I had to stew in, you know, uh, an audition that they said no because my first audition was great, but my second one was good. And they were like, well, if you kill so hard on one – and the other one you just do good, that's inconsistent, and we need people there. Meanwhile, they were taking mm -hmm. people that they just wanted to, you know, I mean, listen, I get it. They, 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 people have hookups. There's casting. You know, they, I get all that. So I waited, and I waited, and I did my audition again the next year. This is like the third time. This is the third year now. And I had a great audition on the first one, and I had a great audition on the second one, and I went 10th out of 10 on the first one. And, I, and, and they said there at that night, they said, the people who were looking at, at us, you mm -hmm. know you know the names. They were like, right. Paul had the best set. And me and my manager at the time, David Kimowitz, we went to a Korean barbecue place in New York City. Nice. And we were like, that's it. I mean, if they say no to that, they basically just said I had the best callback. They, you know, everything. And uh, so a week or two later, my managers called me to their office. And I'm like, did you hear from JFL? And they were like, sit down. And I was like, oh boy. And they were like, look, um... They said that this was one of the hardest decisions that the, the festival had to make this year. They love you. They actually took time delaying this decision, but they have to, you know, unfortunately, they have to pass because, and they gave me some reasons, whatever, right. business reasons, political, whatever, and they were like, but don't worry, you will be at JFL. You're going to be at JFL Toronto. You're going to be at JFL here. You know, it's it's hard. It sucks that you did as good as you did and you're not coming in and all that stuff, and I just had to, I just had to put my head down, and I remember being at a... Uh, Fourth of July party at my uh, my uh, wife's, you know, my mother-in-law's family, and I'm in the pool and I'm just thinking about it, and I know the festival's coming up. The water's and I'm not boiling. Going and, yeah, like I'm in the pool and the water. And I kept bringing this shit. Was in up. a hot tub last year. You know, <laughs> yeah, Paul's yeah. very upset. He got some bad news. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so true. I was like, and my wife is like, can you stop thinking about it? It's like nuclear rod just in the. <laughs> yeah, and uh, all of a sudden I get a text, and the text said. Um, JFL is asking if you're free from like the 14th to the 24th or some crazy. And I'm going, JFL, what is, and I'm thinking like, is that a club, you know? And then I go, wait a minute, is that the festival? Yeah, and they just were like, relax. yeah, and they were just like, uh, yeah, pack your bags, you're going. And basically what it was was they were like, look, we've seen Paul. And they also saw me open for Burr at the Paramount Theater in Austin mm -hmm. for the Moon Tower Festival. And the, the, the decision maker was in the room. And, uh, it was incredible, uh, and they were like, it was just, they were like, that was great, and I think that helped, but they were like, listen, Paul's not really a new face, um, but he deserves to be here, and he needs to be in the festival, 
And it was like, that's what the audition did. And then I got there and I ended up doing like the relationship show. But then I ended up doing like Best of the Fest. I ended up opening for Bobby Kelly one night, Judah Freelander another night, Moshe Kasher one night, jumping on this show. I ended up doing like 14 shows in 10 days at JFL. And the next year I went to a gala. I did a gala. So it went from that to just going like, okay, just do it if you just get good. Okay. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and say that I'm, I'm some great comic, but I'm saying get better, get better. And just have them look going, we, we got to, he auditioned and did it. So he's, what are we going to do? Right. And that's, and, and if you get to that point, man, that's, that's what I did. And, you know, Bill Burr, man, he's, uh, he's, he's as good of a human being as he is a comic, but he's his wisdom. And he said, goes, just fucking get to the point where they just can't say no. Mm-hmm. And, um, to have Pete Davidson and Bill Burr go, we want to be a part of it. We want to executive produce your special and we're going to, and, and all things comedy and, and obviously shout out to Al Madrigal, all things comedy, um, to do it. And they did it. And, uh, you know, last night to have them feel like they did the right thing afterwards oh, was, God, yeah. was really what the, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. is right. Cause that, and that, see, that's the one thing. It was almost like all these people are betting on me. Mm-hmm. See, that's where the pressure was last night. All these people were betting on me. You know, they were just like, he's going to give it to him. Like, if I was a horse, they're betting on me to win. Yeah. And I'm and just. And they're friends, too. Like, and they're friends. Level, and it's love. Yeah. And there's know? a point where, I mean, like, I know it's happened, too, with things t- where you just go, like, now it's not even just about me. I'm not even just like, I want to just do it. Like, you're like, I got a lot of other people riding on things. So it's, like you said, it's added pressure. You know what I mean? You don't want to be like, yeah, okay, I want to I want to kill it. I want to do a great job. But I mean, I want to do it for them, too. It's not just about me. You know, I, I kept saying, I said, you know, uh, I said to Bill, man, you know, worst case, you know, I just want you to, you know, if you guys invested or whatever, like, you know, I didn't want to even know what all the behind the scenes stuff was. But, you know, you obviously know that there's people that invest in you financially. There's people that put in their name out for you. There's companies. I mean, look, there was a that was a production. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had I had a, a producer. I had a director. I had there was like fucking 17 people. There was, can you saw there's Mike. Oh yeah. I the mean, there's just huge cameras. tables. I walked in and said to everybody, I'm like, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much. Yeah. They didn't, they, they all had to look like, who the hell is this guy? But yeah. I'm like, I just know that they're working for my friend tonight. So they I want just, them happy. I want them to do it. They were just job. like, Oh, do you want to come to video village and see what's going on? And I was like, what's video village. And I walked in the back of the theater and it literally was like all of these screens, all these different shots. And this was like a full fledged production. There's like makeup and catering. And I'm going, all of these people, and I'm just like, I don't want to let anybody down, right. you know? But then I had to go, forget that, man. Go and do your set. Go have fun with your jokes, and go go do it. Go do it. Go do the jokes, and just have the pieces come out. And uh, to have people, you know, say what they said and how how that show was received by people that I fucking love and respect. And, and not yeah. only that, people that have been doing it, like, almost twice as long as me. Um, saying what they said and saying the kind things, it's um, it's amazing. Having my wife come up to me and just give me a kiss and say I'm proud of you. Having my agent slap me five and my manager who's worked hard for it's just um, honestly, man, it was uh, it was a great night and I, I appreciate you and Kumar driving down from um, you know, fucking Ottawa, seven and a half hours or whatever it was. It was, it was and, a uh, labor of love. I can tell you that right now. Buddy. So I'm, I'm happy uh, you helped me. It. You helped me get. You helped me get the new hour because when you were like, hey, I'm trying to get you. I saw you open for Burr in Ottawa and I'm trying to get you into this room um, and this and that. Do you, do you think you're free? And like that was kind of when I only had about, you know, maybe 35, 40 minutes. I, I was still trying to figure out the other 20. 
Um, I mean, I had an hour, but as right. far as like what's going to make, you know, it was at the time where there was topical things, there was stuff like that. Um, I think it really helped. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, that's, that's the thing when you guys drove far, man, that's, that's love from everywhere. And you know, you heard what I said when I, at the end. Oh yeah. I mean, you know? I, I, I thought it was, it was great to see because you were saying earlier about how, you know, originally when you were showcasing it, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy's guy, I'm a family man. I'm not, you know, alternative or whatever. And I think that's what that's what I kind of like. I mean, if they were looking at it like, oh, we don't want that. I'm almost like that is one of the unique aspects in the business because the alternative is everyone's trying to be alternative now. So to come out and be the guy who's the, the average guy, the family man, the, yeah. you know, just, but to have a lot of integrity and to just be a, 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 a good person being that guy in stand up now, like, like that's the guy that's the unique right there. Bring that guy out. Yeah. It's, you it's know what I'm saying he's not screaming and yelling at everybody. He's not trying to kill everybody. He's just like, Hey man, you know how you live in your life and funny shit happens? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, kind of funny how it's like that's becoming that like just talking natural about your life and making things that are in your life funny is kind of almost <laughs> being refreshing now. Yeah. It's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to scream and yell about all the, you know, I'm not trying to listen to guys throwing napalms off buildings. Like just, I just yeah. want to hear the funny day to day shit. That happens. That I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. My, you know, my, my home, my family. Things like that. I thought, like I said, it, it was it was great to see. I was I was grinning ear to ear last night. I can't no, thank wait you. to see. I can't wait to see the finished product. Yeah. Uh, are you gonna are you gonna sit it on the editing, or are you gonna be like, look, just hand it off to someone I trust? I'm gonna I'm gonna be a part of the editing, but I don't think I'm gonna watch it. Really? I don't think I'm gonna sit and watch myself do an hour. You know, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. I haven't listened to my album. My album was. And by the way, thank you, Canada, because. My album was number. My album was number one, not only in America, but my album was number one on iTunes in Canada. Yeah, dude. And all things comedy records, who produced, they were the one to tell me that. They were like, yeah, no, it's number one in, in Canada too. And and you told me that all the reviews and there have more reviews from Canada. Canada has been, honestly, it's been like my like my like little brother of comedy. It's been like something. It's just been an, a lovely lovely place to go not just the montreal festival i mean montreal festival is the best in the world but i mean fans in toronto ottawa is one of my favorite places it, i just have great times there i have great sets there i just i love ottawa um but yeah the the support from over there but when that when the album came out i like listened oh, oh boy i think that's the food that, the fucking fbi <laughs> we ordered some food guys so we'll uh we'll edit this part out Maybe, maybe something funny will happen and you'll hear it in the background and we'll just keep it in. Oh, I can hear it in the headset. We'll hear the interaction. We were at Casa de Verzi, which is up a, a hill in Westchester County. Yeah, it was quite the drive up here. So when, when we ordered food, it was like, oh, are we, are we gonna make some guy drive up a mountain? That's three sandwiches, they put two bags? How big are those fucking sandwiches? <laughs> no, dude. Whatever you like. Whatever you like. Do you want to keep going? Hey, I'm in. I'm in no rush. Time, so like, how much if, time are you doing the podcast? An hour. I I don't limit it. I've had some that are 50 minutes. I've had some that are two hours. Okay. What, yeah. Where are you at now? We're at 24 minutes. Hey, let's go. Yeah, man. Like I said, whatever you want. If you want to stop and eat, we can. We can always go back. Whatever you like. What's going on? We got a flow going. All right. So we were just talking about. Um, before we were rudely interrupted by the delivery yeah, like boy. A nice kid too, but like he banged on the door like. Like oh I had really? Kilos of cocaine. I mean, maybe I heard it differently because I had these headphones on or the microphone, but that sounded like <laughs> maybe he wasn't sure what wing of the house you were in. He's like, <laughs> I want him to hear me in the library. <laughs> That's um, how they knock in Canada. They all just bang, bang, bang on the door. Yeah, so. like when I delivered pies, I would just kind of do a little, you know, a couple. But that guy was like, you know, boom, boom, boom. I was like scared the shit out of me actually. But um, 
Yeah, so we were saying... Uh, well, you were saying how you were in, uh, you know, in Canada, you've had a lot of recognition in Canada there. Well, Canada, I- yeah, Canada has been, Canada's been great, but no, what I was saying was I was very, very much in the process right. of editing my album. So I did hear the bits kind of chopped, but when it was like the finished product was done, I, I still don't think, I could honestly say uh, it sold great in obviously America and Canada and it was number one, it made number four on Billboard's Top 100 and I have not listened to my album from top to bottom. It's like after I do it, like even last night just watching myself, you know, like I'll like come in for a quick thing, I'll look at my sneakers, you know, I'll, I'll maybe <laughs> listen to a part of a joke or you know, probably the ending, which people are talking about, like a lot of people are talking about the ending of my set with, um, with the depression and the mass shooting thing and, and all that. So like, I'll maybe just peek in and watch that or something. But as far as that, it's kind of like, it, it's, it's hard to listen to. It's yourself. just hard to listen to yourself. It's hard to watch yourself. And, uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm going to just, um, kind of make sure, Hey, make sure that's in, make sure this is in, let's make sure that looks good. I trust you guys with everything. Right. I didn't give them so much more. Some guys do like an hour and 20 and edit it down. I definitely did over an hour on the second show. Um, and the first show was probably like just over an hour or at an hour. So I didn't even see anything. And, and, and like I said, I mean, being there, like I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And I'm enjoying it. But at the same time, like, cause I have anxiety, like I'm sitting there watching like, Oh my God, like, like just if I was in your shoes, right? Like I'm very empathetic. Like I'm like, if I was in your shoes, like I would, Oh my God, I'd be so nervous about this. I'd be so nervous about that. And I didn't see any evidence of nerves on you in the, on that show. Oh, really? So I had when you were saying how the first show was this, and that, I was like, oh, well, then it was a huge difference from the the you know the second one because the second one I didn't see anything that led me to believe that you were nervous, like that you've got a bunch of cameras and you're filming your first fucking special. I didn't see any evidence yeah. of that, and that was part of what was making me grin so much. I'm like. But dude, you're just manning it. You're in the zone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like just watching some surgeon moving a scalpel like he's a oh. conductor of an orchestra. Oh, man, that means a I'm, lot. Thank I, you. I, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I, I wouldn't lie to you. No, I appreciate it. I'm just it. saying that I, it was so, it, everything was great. I'm like, you couldn't ask for better. So if. Oh, if, man, that means a lot. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I would just say, I mean, watching that that special last night, because I, again, I was looking around too, right? We do that same. We watch the crowd, everyone's smiling, having a good time, laughing at everything. Like, oh, this is going great. This is going great. There was no lulls. Yeah. Right? Because sometimes in an hour you'll see that. It's that you watch a special that you love on Netflix, but it always gets to that joke that you're always like, oh, now's the time you can get up and walk out and and grab the... I didn't see any of those. Do you want to know the truth? I got rid of the lull in Cleveland, I think. So that's the importance of running the hour. I was doing Cleveland hilarities, running it six times. My buddy Alexis was opening for me. And I was looking at the set and everything with the set was going great, but there was always this one area where I'm like, it's too much of a lull. I don't want a lull. And for whatever happened, and you know when I knew it? I knew it with, this was actually really interesting. I I knew it with the check spot, when the check spot would come. Mm -hmm. And something happened. I don't know what I did or what I figured out or how I tightened it up or or what I did with the order. But I figured something out where the, not only this, it was like a seamless. It was almost like there wasn't checks anymore. Like the checks didn't happen. Like, I mean, it happened, but it didn't happen to me. And, and I was like, oh man, that might've been the fix. And, um, I felt like from top to bottom, it was just, I felt from top to bottom. It was, it, 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 it flowed the way that I wanted it to. Um, another thing that people don't know about doing a special is, you know, it's hot and it is exhausting. I remember one time, I think Chris Rock did, it was bigger and blacker. I think it was bigger and blacker. And, uh, his brother, Tony Rock, who I, I love and just worked with out at LOL, uh, live, um, 
Something kicked on. Oh, the air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he walks in. You see Chris done. Chris is done. Okay, he's just, he did the special, and he goes in his room, and he's just sitting in the green room, and his brother comes in, and you could see, you could just look at him, and you could see the exhaustion. And there was a point there where I remember I was like, you know, I sweated, in the, and I'm not a sweater, but everyone, they had to turn all the air conditioning off. So that's why it was so hot in there. So what happens is they crank the air conditioning up while there's a line outside and while people are filing in. As soon as it's time to get going, they have to shut it off because there'll be a buzz or a hum and, or something. Right. And they were like, we don't want that because there's cameras everywhere. So by the time I'm like 35, 40 minutes in, you're feeling I'm that. sweating. You know, you saw, I want to go to the towel. You got to do it because you're just. And I remember, I remember being like at the home stretch. I had like three pieces left, three bits. And I'm just going like, you got to get through this. But at the same time, don't think like that. Have fun. But you got to get through this and God, don't pass out. Like my wife is going, how's he not passing out? She was it's like, and when I was done, I just, the, the, I felt like I just went 12 rounds with a boxer, you know, cause it was, just, and I walk a lot. Right. Like I'm not a, I'm not the type of comic that just stands there and talks. Like I, I walk, I talk, I stalk the stage. I have the whole thing. And there's a lot of act outs. You know, so it's like you're running a treadmill for an hour while you're up there. <laughs> yeah, it was like I got, yeah, it was like I worked out. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I had you to stop sit. to take a sip, and then you're back to back to the walk. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're gonna have to do in your next special is have like one of those kids at marathon <laughs> just stand at the side of the stage with a cup of water. Yeah, yeah. So you can just grab it on your way by. <laughs> yeah, just, or the tennis just when they just it. run and get the tennis ball. Just yeah. they run, they pat me up. And then. Yeah, he just runs by and flaps. <laughs> you can add that to the gay bit too. Just yeah, like, yeah. Towel and runs off. Oh, the gay bit was one that I was really happy to get in there. Because uh, it was actually a newer piece, probably the last. I'd never heard it before, and it was hysterical. Oh, thank you. It was hysterical. So, it, so relatable. One of my closest friends is. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I, I said this the other day. I'm sorry to to to, no, to interrupt, no, go, no, but no, this was uh, and I, he laughed his ass when I said it. I go, my friend is so gay. Like he, you're like, oh well, you know, there's different levels of gay. I'm like, imagine somebody who hates gay people. Like yeah. what he thinks a gay person is. Yeah. That's my friend. That's hilarious. <laughs> like that's if you could just think of everything that you that you would think is flamboyant and that just what, but somebody who was angry about it would think. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, a wonderful human no, being, I, but I he actually, is just out there. Yeah, no, I got that. That's actually kind of a real character from somebody that I see uh, down in the city at this spot and uh, waiter. And I was just like, and just so, and everybody loves him. You know, everybody loves him. He's the guy's great waiter, but he's just so flamboyant. Just says anything like, oh my God. And this and that. And you're just like, hey, that's him. And that's how he is. And he'll give you the food and, you know, say something funny about the food. But then he's like a killer waiter where he's just like, do you need water? Do you need, like, and he knows, like he's oh, one yeah. of those waiters, you know, a good waiter. He's one of those waiters. that's like, like he doesn't have to ask you if you need a refill. Yeah. He's, it's already coming. And then he'll just take it and put the drink and just talk to you. And you're just like, he's one of those, yeah. but he's just so over the top and says crazy things and uh i just like riffed it on stage one night and all of a sudden i started to see and then and then uh, another piece came and then another piece came and before you know it and then um you know to do the with the grizzly bear callback yeah you know so uh yeah. <laughs> that all kind of came together later you know that t those little pieces the grizzly bear and that so some things came in later and i'm like you know what replace that with over topical you know, I didn't want to get, you know, I don't want to go too topical, but, you know, I had to touch. And I did, you know, one thing I was concerned with the hour, um, now that we're talking about it, was yeah. I didn't want to go too too far with Trump, you know. Um, I don't want to go too far with politics, but it's such a it's such a polarizing thing right now. And, I mean, with the Facebook posts and, and the way that everybody's talking in this country, I mean, I, I know you guys know what's going on. Yeah. And I always joke when I go to Canada saying that you guys are watching us like we're, an episode, like, we're like, it's the season finale of your favorite show. Yeah, and you're just We watch like, it like a reality TV show. Yeah, that, Survivor, yeah. how are you guys? 
always going to get through this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't want, but I, it also I was like, you know what, dude, this is going on so much. And the whole North Korea scare and, you know, Trump just comes out and like he doesn't care. He's going to say what he's going to say. I was like, I'm going to definitely touch it, but then go away from it. And I, and I, like, and I strategically did it early in the set. I just kind of was like, you know what, let's just talk about it. And I really did not, you know, the thing about where I don't do social media anymore right. with, with that. Like my social media, even I went to a local radio station and they like to do this thing where they look at your last tweet and they were like, man, you just really kind of just plug your stuff. You don't really have. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't anymore because you'll see something on both sides of the political, you know, yeah. seesaw. That's so ridiculous. And and you want to say something, you know, like everybody say, oh, World War Three is coming now and then North Korea is going to drop a nuke and we're dead. And like literally people go, well, I got to do this on my bucket list is going to die. And like some people were like serious. And then I saw some people going, when is Trump just going to die? Like seriously saying, when is he going to die? This man needs to die. And like they're being serious. And. That's that's too far. It's very far. Yeah. You know, it's very far to just like be like die. You know, I mean, you could be like, hey, I don't like the guy. I can't wait for the guy to be gone. Is it three years yet? Let's, well, that's that's Heather. Like I said, you know, Heather did the joke. What Survivor saying? It's a four year thing. She's that's her joke about we watch it like a survivor and these people are all trapped there. And there's other people who, yeah. like I said, their stuff is just the the anger. Like it's still, you know, the, there's only so much he can do at the same time, whether you, whether yeah. you agree or whatever. Like, yeah. Whether you think he's going to do the good things or you yeah. think he's going to do the bad, there's only so much they're going to let him do. Yeah. He's still being supervised. Right. You can give the kids a dangerous toy, but there's still an adult within. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's what I wanted to That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something where, I really wanted to do something where it wasn't timed. Like it wasn't, it's something that's like, I didn't want to talk about anything obviously that he's exactly doing now. Like I didn't want to bring up the North Korea thing. And then people are going to see that whenever and go, well, what? So I just kind of wanted to goof on his personality, talk about it. It kind of went good with my not doing it on social media and then and then go away from it. So, you know, that's that's how I did it with that. But, um, yeah, always things are adding. And, 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 you know, you'll you'll see that like when you do an album or you do an hour, you're going to notice that leading up to it almost to the to the day you're going to go, oh, my God, I'm adding that line. Yeah. Like you're going to, you're going to say like, Oh my God, I, you're going to just, and then, and then be like, what? So it, it's going to happen. Well, that's the thing with material is it, it can always evolve. Like don't yeah. ever consider a joke done. There's always room for another tag to tighten this, tweak that stuff, that in there. Like this, there's, there's so much stuff. Yeah. And that's, uh, so, I mean, I, I just, not to bookend the conversation with the special, but just again, congratulations. Oh, on thank getting you. That done, dude. That's, that's a huge milestone. And I think the word I was looking for was it felt transitionary. Do you know what I, I mean? Like, like from one end to the other. Now you've, you know, you've gone past. You filmed the first special. That's a, that's a, a something that not, not every comic, whether you're there known or not, gets to do. That's, that's huge. That, that I, mean? I, I really uh, appreciate that, and, and I have to, I'd have to agree. It was like I remember, you know, they were like certain comics go, "You did it, man. You got the first one." And uh, yeah, it feels nice to have that, to just have that, and, and know that I accomplished that. You know, if. if you know, I wanted to have an album and I wanted to have some hours out there and I want to, I want to, you know, I want to just be funny for people and have something out there for people, you know, yeah. and uh, to do that is, is great. So I appreciate it. Thanks so and much. And it's nice to have a, a, a tangible piece of your work. I'm actually uh, very slowly reading George Carlin's last words. And one of the things he says in the book is when he first started putting stuff out there, his, his albums and his, his books and whatnot, he was saying that it, he felt like if at one point he got you know hit with a disease or something and he was just staring in a chair and he or sitting in a chair staring he couldn't couldn't talk or anything he'd be able to sort of look over at a bookshelf and just see some of his work sitting there and you, go i've left something you know i've i've made something i've created something and i've i've, I've given you, it to the world 
Yeah, it, what's amazing is that I got to tell you the amount I can't tell you the amount of people, staff, older, different ages, older men working, young people coming up to me and saying, "Hey, can I talk to you real quick?" And this is happening in the last couple of months. And they're just going, man, that, you know, you talking about your darkness and you talking about your depression, man, like, thank you. Thank you. And like, people are like, that meant so much. And I didn't realize that. So I wanted to make that, I wanted to make that funny, but I also wanted to let people know that it's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you're a little fucked up and, and you have something, it's okay. And, and if you trust people that love you and you're obviously not doing drugs and you want to get better, yeah. you're going to get better. Um, so if I can, if one person dude sees that, if one person is like, oh man, I feel better. One person can, can say, man, I love the show, but I also feel better about, I feel better. And like, I suffer from it. Yeah. You know, I had, a, I don't feel alone. You, I had one of the biggest me. agents in the world come up to me yesterday and go, man, we all, a lot of people go through that and like people relate to it. So, um, yeah. So if God forbid, you know, I got hit by a truck tomorrow and somebody could go, Hey man, I was a really fun. I was funny. It made me feel good. So, you know, that's, that's good with me, you know? Yeah. But I don't want to get hit by a truck tomorrow because I got a vacation coming up. Yeah, and yeah. wait till the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine all this work you do and then you get hit by that? Would be that would be <laughs> funny. That'd be his last joke. Worked so hard, vacation, boom. Oh, oh please. No. But I mean, I'm I'm 34, and uh, and just in the last year, and I would say maybe just the last six months, I've been uh, everything that I thought was like ADD or or just you know a broken train of thought or whatever. I'm I'm actually starting to think that it's anxiety just looking at patterns of anxiety and stuff like that. And, and I used to think that things like that were like weakness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I don't mean berate anybody or anything like that, but I just used to think that, you know, if you're like, Oh, I'm, I, I'm anxious. I'm like, I, I associate anxiety with just having panic attacks. I'm like, I'm not having panic attacks. I just can't stay focused. I'm, I'm just, I, I worry about things. I'm, I'm stressing. I'm whatever it is, but more and more. And I see the patterns of anxiety. I realize that like, like I deal with anxiety in almost everything. Like I, I yeah. you know, it's the, the, like you were saying about how you just, you see something and you go, what if I just did this? What if I just threw the baby yeah. or whatever it is? And it's like, and that's, that's the thoughts. It's almost, but it's almost like what, Hey, what if this happens? What am I gonna do if yeah. this happens? And you just, it's just constant anxiety. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at Jordan to, to manage it better, but it's such a big thing to a, you know, be like, it's okay that maybe there's something. Yeah. And then number two, it's okay to talk to somebody about it. Sure. You know, you're not hey, going, hey, can I talk to you? Hey, I'm weak. You're going, like, it takes a lot of courage to be like, I think something's wrong and I think I need help. Yeah, well, for me, anxiety was different than depression. Mm -hmm. Anxiety, having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, that was one thing. You know, when I fell into my depression, I was like, it was almost like physical. Like, I was like, I didn't want to, when I, I mean, I waking up was painful. Waking up. Like I would wake up at seven o'clock in the morning in a full fledged down, awful, breathing heavy, scared of, I don't know what, thinking something was wrong with me, thinking I was dying. I wasn't enjoying anything. All I wanted to do was get to dinner so I could eat dinner and then go, go lay down. And the only time I felt good was around six o'clock at night because I knew that the night was winding down and, but I was afraid to sleep because I woke up always so awful. And that, that's what was crazy. So like, it was like from like six to like 11, 30, 12, where I was laying up, I felt okay. Cause I got the TV and I'm in my misery, but I'm like kind of, you know, but it's prime time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like the best of my day. And then now, um, I wake up and I would toss and turn and I'd wake up and stuff. There was one part that I did in the first show. I didn't in the second, I'm going to see if they could put it in, but you know, my wife was dealing with a lot of stuff with it. And, um, 
you know, I just was, I, I just was so fucking down and I would wake up and I would just be like, you know, I was on vacation. I couldn't enjoy my vacation. I couldn't. And slowly, I don't know what happened. Slow, I mean, I got, you know, I got every test, right? You know, I got every test. I thought I had a brain tumor. I got a cat, I got a cat scan on my, like, and then, then I was getting, they were putting needles to check my muscles cause I had a thing in my neck. I mean, it was just awful, awful. It was the hardest four months of my life. And it was literally this exact moment last year. It was from about, I would say, middle to late July until October, where I was in a really, really bad spot. And um, I think right as I came out of it, I did Ottawa. I think like towards the... I, you you did Ottawa in June with me, so we, we worked there together, and it was when you were coming out of it, we worked in Toronto, and you had told me what was what had gone on between the, t- the times that we'd worked and, together. And you know what's crazy? In Ottawa, I felt something weird happening. I felt... I was having great shows, everything was good, but my body was beat up. And then I had a 4th of July party. We stayed up two nights in a row till seven in the morning. I was drinking. So I was weaker mentally. My body's physically weaker and I start to get it. And then, and then it just, and then it was just boom. And then it was a full-fledged depression and it was a breakdown. It was re- I really had a, I think I had a nervous breakdown slash depression where everything hit me. And um, yeah, and then it just slowly started to get better. And slowly started to just, and I'm like, and I wanted to get better. Yeah. I wanted to get better. And I said, like, I wouldn't, you know, what sucked is like, I wouldn't kill myself. So I was like, I'm just going to either live in this darkness and be miserable forever or whatever. And that's what kind of hurt. Cause right. I was like, I'm not, you know, I got kids and I want to, I want to, I want to be here. I want to see this. I want to, you know, we're all going to go one day and I want to go later. I want to, I'll do this. I want to get through shit. And I got better, man. So, um, but to, to be able to get back to what I wanted to, to be stronger than ever and to understand what I can do to avoid that now and, uh, you know, make, put my OCD at bay and do that. So, um, yeah, everything, everything. But if one person could listen to me talk about that and try to make a joke about it, but no, that's okay. That's it, man. Yeah. That's that's the best. That's the best. Well, I hadn't heard. um, I mean, you told me what you're going through, but some of the things that you said on stage last night, just because when you're doing stand up, you got to summarize the whole thing. Yes. Super short. When you were saying how, you know, you didn't want to look at the kids at times because you're like, I just, I think I'm never going to see them. I'm not going to see them grow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Believe it or not in, uh, because some people are going to listen to this. I would imagine there's gonna be some TV people listening to this. Sure. Um, who've, who've never heard me speak before, but in, in episode five, I was actually talking about one thing that was going on in my life and I started to just get down this personal road where I put a bunch of pieces that I thought were separate things together all at the same time period and, and realized like, holy shit, like this is why I started stand up. I always thought that I just got pressured into it by friends, but I, I had a health scare that I too was like, I'm done. I, I was convinced that I was done, but instead of going to the doctors and getting checked, I didn't. I was like, I don't want to know because if someone tells me that I'm done, I'll die that day. My right. good nature and right. everything like that will stop then, not in yes. six months. Right. So I was just like, if I get to live four more months and, and because there's a chance I might not be because I don't know, then I'd rather have that four months right. of have, which is ridiculous. But no, I'm but that, I get it. I but actually I, get it. I had things in my life that I was like, I just, I, I was convinced I was done and it's just a matter of time and whatever. And I actually, believe it or not, was years just ignoring health problems that I'm now finally figuring out after multiple tests that were like, we don't know, I have I have hernias and stuff like that that are creating lumps on my side. Yeah. When those lumps were developing, I thought they were cancer. Sure. So I was like, I was in pain all the time in my side and I couldn't sleep, I couldn't I couldn't walk, I couldn't sit. And I was just ignoring it. Like I learned to live with the pain and I'm like, 
ah, it could just be a pull, it could be a tear or something. They don't know. Yeah. Well, we, we, you know, it could be something not bad. That's what I was trying to think it was something better. Anyways. Yeah, the, the, no, the, the, I, the, I totally get that. I totally get that road and I know the road. We just did it different. Like me, I would have a f- complete freak out and I'd go to the doctors and I'd be like, check it. And But while they were checking it, I'd be like, something's coming back bad. And I would just live like that and, and instead of, you know, doing what you did. But I know it's, we basically did the same thing. Right. But just went about it in different ways. Yeah. You know, you lived in it and you were like, I'm just going to hope this gets better i hope i'm okay and i was going to fucking i was getting every test you could possibly get but still in it yeah you but know? both of us were like we're done yeah oh, we're yeah. done i mean it's i was over. i was when i when i tell you i was convinced i had a brain tumor when i tell you i was convinced i was fucking convinced i was getting dizzy on stage i had pressure on my head and it was all from just anxiety it was all psychological mm-hmm. and it was phys- it was there the tighten- yeah. the tightness in the head was there i was fucked up but it was all just in my head and um it's just amazing man it's amazing but i got to say i don't know if i would be here and i mean here in my career doing a special i don't know if i would have been here if if i didn't go through that if i didn't hit that bumpy road if i didn't get on that path and just take those lumps and get beat up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been strong enough to to go and, you know, I mean, you got to want it, dude. You, you know, I remember Bill Burr said something. He's like, you, you know, people don't want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. You, you got to put, listen, you got to put in fucking work. If you want to get great at this, you got, this is not just going, doing a spot, drinking, having fun. That's bullshit. Right. That's for fucking half steppers. That's for people that just don't take this shit seriously. If you want to get good at this, you have to be willing. You got to leave and get on planes and go and run sets and, and go back to the hotel and write down what worked and what didn't work. And, got, and, and you know, me and Bert were talking about it, and he was like, a lot of people aren't willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. And the work is a lot more than just, it's, it's like I said, it's travel, it's writing, it's getting up early, it's work. doing radio, <laughs> it's work. It's not play. Doing a podcast, yeah. getting people, to, you know, to, to, to hear you and listen to you. It's a lot of work. And I got to tell you, man, I think I would. I wanted to do this. I think I think I would have, but I think that doing it this way, I made me stronger. It made right. me better. You know, it made me better. And uh, and again, you gotta. I mean, I know people that get depressed and they, you know, they pity they pity themselves and they do drugs. Right. You know, they're like, oh, well, I'm just gonna, I'm down, so I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna do drugs. And I don't want to shit on people that are have addiction because they're trying to get out of their depression. But you kind of gotta fight it head on and and clear headed and beat it that way. Otherwise, you're going to die because you're going to be an addict and you're going to die. Well, there was, there was something my brother said to me years ago uh, when I was going through a, a depression, a down point with something. And um, he had asked me when the thing had happened. He goes, well, if you get back to where you want to be, can you be grateful that this happened? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I was, what do you mean grateful that this happens? It's a horrible thing. And he goes, well, you have to understand. It's like an Eastern philosophy way of thinking. It's just, he goes, you have to understand that if you get to where you want to be, then you have to know in that moment that, that everything that came before had to happen for you to get here. Yes. So you have to be grateful for everything that happened, the good and the bad. Well, Giannis Pappas, a great comic, great friend of mine, he was talking today. He used to do a sports show, and he interviewed, uh, he was saying today he interviewed Barry Larkin, who was a longtime shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. And um, Barry Larkin's a Hall of Famer, okay? This is a legendary man, legendary uh, Major League Baseball player. Like I said, he was a shortstop for years and uh, made it to the Hall of Fame, which is incredible. And he said, he goes, you know, what people don't understand about life is like baseball. Like, it's like in baseball, you're, you're failing 70% of the time, right? Right. To bat 300, you're failing 70% of the time. It's way more failing than it is good. 
But when you take the good, you gotta you gotta relish. You gotta you know you gotta enjoy that, and you gotta understand that there is that seventy percent. You know, to even to think about that, to be considered a decent baseball player, you gotta fail seventy percent of the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And it's it's the same thing in you know in life. It's like uh, you know a lot of screwed up shit. Like I put it into perspective, man. And this is hard. My mother has a friend who lost her daughter, young, young, and it's brutal and it's awful. And I'm sitting back there and I'm wondering, like, what the fuck are we worried about? Mm -hmm. What are you worried about? You know, these people, there are people dying, man. There's people starving. There's people dying. We have an opportunity to do what we love and have fun. And if you put in the work, you're going to, you know, so you got to look at it like that, too. You know, and I know, again, all the corny cliche shit happens for a reason. Right. That somebody said, that was like, hey, I don't mean to be good. No, it's like that. That's when it happens. When the corny shit comes out, it's because there's a, it's corny because it's, it's been said. Yeah. And, and, and it's worked. Like um, last night we we're talking, ignorance is, bl- depressed people are kind of a little smarter. Yeah. Because we understand that, and I'm, I'm not depressed always, but I think smarter people can see things and ignorance is bliss. Oh, there's absolutely. Another, there's another corny cliche thing, but ignorance it's is bliss. It's almost like the corny stuff yeah. is the real stuff. And yes. You're, and, and, and that's, the, that's the, the, what is it, the resistance in you. God, that's fucking corny. I don't need to listen to that. No, no, no. That's the shit you need to listen that, to. You need that's to That's a great that. point, Josh. I was just thinking that. It's almost like people don't want to listen to shit that's smart. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You yeah, find a way to dismiss is, it. Yeah, it's find a way to dismiss it. It's like, no, how about you take it for a second? How about yeah. you fucking listen to yeah. it? Because that, great people have said it many times. So maybe it's corny to you, but like, there's a reason why the most successful people in the world kind of say the same shit in their autobiographies, mm-hmm. right? When you look at like all of these billionaires or you look at these people like Mark Cuban. If yep. you sat down with Mark Cuban, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you sat down with another billionaire who's in Mark Cuban's circle. Right. It's going to be really similar. Yeah. Right? And I'm talking about even similar from when they had nothing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be similar for like what they wanted to do, what they saw and how they did it. And you're right. People want to, people don't want to, you know, for many well, because reasons. Because then you have to, then you have to own it. Then you have to you own it. I mean? and, and people don't want to own it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're nailing it, Josh. Oh, look at me. I should quit my... Uh, my <laughs> I'll just become a, uh, a self-help comedy no, podcaster. No, you just... All, it'll be a podcast <laughs> of just old quotes. That's just go, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. This episode, That's ignorance right. is... Yeah, and we'll put the Instagram pictures like the little the little quotes of the day. Feel better. Those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't want. Well, right, right. <laughs> like there's no context on that one. Yeah. Um, we're uh, so I, like I mean, whenever I do these interviews, um, I, I love my audience wants to to know more about you know. Start now. We, we're I love that we started off with with celebrating this huge, and it is a huge success. It really is, and I can't wait to see it. And I'm I'm. Uh, just before you move on, I want to say I'm honored to to have been invited down. I'm invited, oh, you know, thanks for coming, man. Dude. It was great. The, I mean, even just everything at the after party, dude. That was so surreal for me to see, like, just the the amount of iconic people that were there. And again, to support my friend on his big night. You yeah. I mean, I'm like, the friends of yours, obviously, very close people you're with, but I'm just going, like, that's that's so huge. I, I wanted to say this earlier, and you know what? It, I think it's it's going to be back to that corny thing, but I want to say you were saying how, how big you are in Canada. I, I have to say, all kidding aside, that you're such a genuine dude. You oh, know what thank I mean? you. Like, just such an honest, good person. Like, last night, everybody that was there, you know. Now, obviously, we'd had a few. 
but yeah. you were just everyone you saw like I love you thank you so much for coming do you know what I mean like oh yeah like how many people are gonna watch especially comics right where you just give them an excuse to, to throw a line back in your face but just hey man I love you thanks for coming like just yeah the the amount of appreciation and, yeah. and graciousness that, that that you had last night like yeah you were done it was an after party but you were still just thank you so much like you made everyone feel you know, appreciated for oh, being. Oh yeah, like and it, you it were was so gracious. It was appreciated. And, it really is. And I think that's one of the reasons that you're so popular in Canada, as us as a very polite, loving, happy, peaceful people. Yeah, except you got your friends sitting in the dark. I mean, could you... yeah. Well, that's what happens. All right, <laughs> I was gonna leave them in the car, so that's an upgrade. <laughs> but, uh, no, Canada. Yeah, like Canada people just it's it's so cool and, and laid back. And uh, yeah, I have I kind of have that vibe of like I'm I, I am very laid back so I kind of have like like you if, if I would have let you two pick dinner tonight we would have been still looking at menus <laughs> we would have been looking at because menus because we for, couldn't make the decision you when you're home you're like what do you guys want I'm like I just you, I could have said anything I'd be like you guys want to be invited of... back that's what I want I want to be invited back so <laughs> yeah. you order whatever I could have been like listen I got this this great piles like they just give you piles of caviar all different fish eggs we're going you guys would be like I could I could do that I can whatever I, you like I, I don't know what that is <laughs> I haven't heard of it that's an aisle they don't let me in in the grocery store yeah uh, but but, but that's what I'm saying. Like in, in Canada, they see, because there's a lot of, uh, like right now, there's a lot of like uh, aggressive comedy. I don't even know if that's the right term. We, we say, oh, we say this, but there's a lot of uh, great comics who are not necessarily accessible to everybody. They find their, their niches. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say that, like, like I said, you're a great comic. You're not like, well, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. You're being yourself and you're being honest. And, and honesty matters. People can tell the difference between honesty and, and disingenuous and things like that. And disin or contrived can be funny, but when you're being honest and you're you're putting yourself out there, people people are like, all right, that's that's courageous and it's 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 really easy to connect with. Uh, you know, um, yeah, honesty and realness is not you can't fuck with it. Right. Those are two things that you can't you can't you know. Listen, you could knock fake. You could knock lies you could knock frauds you could knock oh well, that's funny but like that's a character or like that's that's really like you could say that and I, I wouldn't do that if somebody has a character and they think it's funny but you can say what one thing that you really can't go at not even just in comedy in life real honesty if you could look somebody in the eyes and tell them something that's from your heart and you mean it that you can't you can't fuck with that because right. you're just like it is what it is take it or leave it you know it's true and it's honest and uh yeah that's that's how and that's the best comedy to me well can i share something with you just because we're, we're sharing corny stuff but this sure. is something that uh that I, I think applies here and i don't know if i've ever told it before in my podcast if i have well fuck i'm sorry but i'm here with my friend okay it's grad <laughs> day after graduation we're having a good time um I heard uh, you know one of those uh, those great speakers say that people need to divorce their vehicles and marry their virtues, and what that means is uh, if you're already familiar, I apologize, but just no, 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 go, go, I'm listening. I like so that. vehicles are things like uh, relationships, career, money, you know, possessions, things like that, because a lot of people will define themselves by like you know their job or you know their relationship. So for example, in the particular talk I was listening to, someone's relationship and then like my whole life's over, everything I had was in that relationship. And what they were saying about the vehicles, money, career, relationships, is that every vehicle carries with it the fear of loss. Yeah. So the idea is that you know if you put all of your stock in you know your relationship, well it can end. Not not even necessarily because of a you know um, forgive me uh, it, it break a breakup or divorce, but yeah. people die. You know, yeah. just just a moment ago, you were talking about you know yeah. the, the, the loss of a child. Like that's that's not the relationship ending because they want it to. Sure. But the thing is, is relationships can end. Uh, you can lose your job. So if you're this great comic and that's who you are and that's who you present, well, that can end. 
right? You know, if you're rich, your, your country can devalue your money. Now it's not worth anything. But the, the other line was people need to uh, divorce their vehicles and marry their virtues. And virtues are things that can never be taken to you, like honesty, integrity, yeah. respect. And the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up right now is, like I said, we've only known each other for, you know, a, a year and some. And uh, already, like I said, you're a very virtuous person. That's what I was trying to bring out in, uh, in just talking about the party last night. It's just the amount of respect and, and integrity and, and graciousness that you showed. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to you in your life. It doesn't matter if, you know, the house burns down, yeah. the relationship ends, you know, you're not a comic anymore that's not going to change you. No one's going to think, oh, well, now he's not. That. Like, I see you as a virtue. I don't see the other stuff because you have defined yourself by those virtues. And I think that's what people connect and like so much about you is that oh, you're, not, you're not the, you're not your car, you're not your bank account, the fight club shit. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You are Paul Verzi, who's a fucking honest, respectable, no, and super you. funny dude. Yeah, so, well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, no, sorry, I'm not trying to hit you over the head with, uh, I'm trying no. to make out with you right yeah. now. <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, you Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, that's how we got you. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like if somebody's honest and loyal, like, you know, that's one thing I look at people, like two things that really turn me off about people is um, if they're uh, selfish and like, and, and like cheap. Because that means that you don't want to get like that. Those are two things that just like overly selfish people and like just cheap and they just want to hold their money. And I'm going to give the waiter the only amount, the least amount I can give or the most amount. Like, like I'm not giving I'm giving them just like what's what's OK? What percentage? I don't like people like that because to me that tells a lot about a person. Right. You know, now, listen, if you don't have money. Like I, I get it if you don't if you don't have money, but I'm talking about people that can give another two dollars, right. but they don't. That's a big. It's not about the two dollars. We're not even talking about two dollars here. The two dollars means nothing. It's the whole bigger picture that you're not willing to give somebody to make them feel better, even two extra dollars to make their job better. That says a lot about you, and uh, you know, and selfish is just uh, that that goes without saying. Right. So um, yeah, and I think like opposite of that. Just like uh, like guys like Sal Vicano, who was there last night, like that guy is like, you know, one of, I mean, you're talking about one of the nicest individuals, like, you know, just buying trays of shots for people. It's just like, he just wants you to have a good time. And he's like, and he's just, he gets life, that guy. There are certain people, he, he just get it. It's like, hey man, come on. And, and they're really genuine, honest people. And they're the ones you want to surround yourself with. 1,000%. And that's, that's the thing. You know, we talked about the special and that's great, but you want to know something? Out of, and that was a great night, and, and it's a night that I'll, you know, I'm gonna, you know, remember forever. But I got to do it with people that we're talking about now. I got to do it with people that do have those virtues. I got to do it yeah. with people that are honest and people that love each other. And, and, and that's what you surround yourself with. And if you're around that, you can't lose. If you're around, there's a lot of, you know, I mean, something happened with me with the, um, you know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you on the show because I haven't told you. Are you okay you. with that? Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I gotta, I've never asked because I know it's it's personal. No, and no. Like so, that, but. so what happened was I was going to shoot my special with a very big company. Um, I don't want to say any no, names no, just of course, because of one, the, the biggest company that does them. So, you know, you guys could, if you guys want to do the math, you guys can do the math. But one of the biggest companies that does specials, and they've done specials for every big name that's in comedy, period. Okay? And they were going to do mine. I was going to do it in Brooklyn on May 2nd. And it was a smaller venue. It was just, you know, they're going to make the place look like a bigger venue. It was probably like 350 people. And, uh, you know, and I didn't want to do it in Brooklyn, but I bent. And I didn't want to do it on a Tuesday night, and I bent. And, you know, and all this stuff. But then contract things started happening and started happening. And, you know, my manager was going back and forth. And, okay, we fixed this. Okay, we fixed that. And going back and forth with lawyers and all this and that. 
And then um, all of a sudden, I'm running it down in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And uh, my manager came down. I was like, hey, can we talk after this? And, you know, we're sitting there eating sushi and we're going. And she's like, yeah, something in the contract came out. And basically, that company um, sold. That company basically already had a deal in the contract that said it was going to go to NBC's affiliate, uh, NBC's online streaming, which was CISO. Okay. And uh, I found out, and we were like, no. So the executive producer, Pete Davidson, and other people were like, no, no, that's not what we have in plan. We have a plan to shoot a special and sell it and say, or take it to market. That's that's what the plan that we're going to do. Now, the company that I was going to do it with, they have deals to sell it, and they do all of them, so they, they, have the, they can get them sold. Right. But... Um, so we were like, no, we don't want to do that. And we just, they just didn't get back to us, didn't get back to us. And all of a sudden, I got executive producer calling me. I got my agent calling me. I was like, we got to get on the phone. Something's going on. They sold this thing to CISO for like $50,000. And I'm like, well, I didn't sign anything and I don't want to do that. And they're like, you're going to walk away, you know, eight days before. And I was like, I think I, do, I, think I might have to. And um, the agency was on, on board. And, you know, Bill Burr was like, you know, Bill Burr was like, man, come on. You got to, we got to, got to swing at the plate here, you know, you got to. And um, we, uh, we, you know, I walked from it. I walked from it, and they, they said I was okay with the deal. You know, there was a lot of things that happened. They said I was okay with the deal when I wasn't okay with the deal. They, you know, it was a lot of things that just weren't cool, and uh, there were things that were just I couldn't accept, and there were things that, quite frankly, weren't um, 100% open and honest. And I walked from it. And, um, and that's when... That's when all the love that you saw last night came in. Then they yeah. were like, you know, it was almost like the cavalry's coming. It's like, no, that's not, that's not right. That's not the way that it should be. Uh, we had a plan. We had a plan in place, and uh, I don't think it could have gone better. And I don't think it, things. I think it worked out great. So well, and there's new bits that came in the time too. Some more, some more workshopping that, and training. That huge. And I'll tell you something. If I did it May second, it would not even have been close to last night. You know. I think I would have done a decent job, but I don't think it would have been last night. So it's like one of those things as much as, you know, like we were saying before is like, so t last night was so good. Can you be grateful that, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that backhanded slimy kind of, I mean, it was, it was but, all part uh, of again, it. Again, again, let's go back to, you know, the, 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 you should name this episode corny and cliche because, <laughs> because that's what I do. We're solving, we're solving the world right because, now. Because, because it was, you know, I, I believe that, you know, it was things happen for a reason. And I, I believe that, uh, you know, or, or you can make things it may, maybe if they don't happen for a reason, you see something and you can make it happen or right. whatever. But I believe in something, some kind of karma or destiny or, 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 you know, uh, you could, you know, good things happen and, and everything happens for a reason. I believe in that. I do. I believe that. And mm -hmm. I think that the way things happen, you know, this was supposed to go down and, um, or there's something to be learned from everything. Even that if yeah. someone's like, well, it's not a spiritual. Okay. Well then take back the control if you don't believe in any of that stuff and just know that there's something that can be learned from every experience. And this is something too, that comedians, we always have a thing where, Oh my God, I have an opportunity. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say yes to that because now I have this and I've wanted this and people will prey on that. They'll prey on you going, well, that guy, that guy didn't have a special. He wants a special. So we're going to give him all this stuff. But we're going to do it our way yeah. and we're going to snake him this way or we'll take money this way or we'll do so. He's going to say yes. He's going to say yes. One of the most, the best things I ever did in this business was look at one of the biggest companies in the world for comedy specials and tell them no. And walk away from them. Yeah. And people were like, "You did what?" And I said, "Yeah, I did, because I'm not, because I'm not doing that." You know. Well, and imagine what that made them think too. Oh, just, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like to 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 put them in place. Because I remember that you had had posted that, and I was just saying, "Well, that's 
that's great for you to do that because it shows because some people would be scared. Yeah. They would want to say no because they know it's not right. But to go, yeah, but but they're the biggest one. Like, what am I going to do? Burn my bridges, whatever. Right. And you and you and all the people around you were like, yeah, we can still be done. You can still do it without you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't just because you're the biggest. And this was nothing against CISO. This was I would I just wanted my options. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful that CISO was into me and was willing to put up, you know, to pay for it and to get it on their network. I just needed to go, I needed to shop it. I needed I needed other networks to see it because I want people to see my hour. And and if and if it went to CISO, that would have been great. Now they're done. Um Oh, CISO done? Yeah. They're I guess uh, they're they're closing up shop uh wow. at the end. Yeah. So um, you know, so that probably wouldn't have worked out now. But um, but it was nothing against them. It was just you know it was and and my my age and my manager even said Paul, this is nothing against like she did the so this is fine like Paul Paul just wants to we just want to get this thing out there and see what our options are before I told a joke you sell it I mean so yeah that's that's when you know that it's not a partnership you know what I mean right exactly it's not a partnership at all like a partnership is hey they're willing to give fifty or sixty or whatever I don't even know the exact number they're willing to give you know. This amount of money, they're willing to give you $75,000 for the special. They don't even need to see it. We're just going to sell it. We do business with them. They know who you are. They know you're funny. They're going to pay for it. Okay. What do you think about that? That's what I would have wanted. Right. Instead of just looking at it in a contract like two weeks before I'm shooting the thing going, oh, that's where my special is going to go. And then the day after, the craziest thing is the day after I was going to shoot, the day after I was going to shoot on May 2nd, um, the CEO of CISO stepped down. So I would have saw that. So I would have shot this thing, and I'd be like, "Oh, you know, they would have probably painted a nice Can picture." You imagine. And then I would have looked at that and been like, "Oh, the head of the thing. I guess this isn't going to be good. Is anybody going to see this?" So, um, and you got to go with your gut. But any comedian listening to this right now, I'm telling you, one of the most powerful things in your box of tools, other than your jokes, is saying no to people. Okay, they're going to try to they're going to try to get you on gigs that you you should be getting paid more. They're going to be trying to tell you this. They're going to be trying to oh, well, I'll give you a fucking sandwich and a beer. You come down. It's great. And meanwhile, Exposure there's bucks. meanwhile there's <laughs> about 500 people there who pay good money and you could easily be getting money and, you know, and and now listen, if you're up and coming, you take the gig. You take the sandwich and the beer. I'm talking about when you start to move up and you start to, you know, you start to headline well, you know, saying yes to everything, it's one of the craziest things. And when people know you're going to say no, and this is the other crazy thing, when people know you're going to say no, more people want you. Like the craziest thing I said, after I told them, people were coming at me like, hey, man, I want to get you on this show. I want to get you. It was like all these things because they knew that if I was coming, it was going to be something that was, it was going to be a real deal thing. And I'm not going to fuck around. And, you know, I'm going to go about my business like a professional, hoping and knowing that you're going to go about yours. Right. And that's why I'm going to do it. And, and, and so. And you set the standard for yourself, too. It's like, yeah, what I do is, is it's special. It's unique. And if you want it, you pay for it. Yeah. I have a, I have a talent and it's worth something. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I, Jason it. used to say that to me early on when I was when I was starting to get paid work from him and very early in my career and we will if that's okay transition I'd like to ask you about you know sort of your beginnings too. Sure, sure. But when I was new, if I would do a free show or something like that, he would just say to me afterwards, "Okay, now I know what you're worth." And yeah. it was that simple. I was like, "Oh, I don't I don't want to look at it that way." Yeah. You know. I remember one great comedian was offered thousands of dollars once for a gig, thousands. For like 20 minutes or like 30 minutes, thousands of dollars. And they were like, uh, no. Nah. And I remember saying, <laughs> what? You're not taking thousands? And he was like, no, because then they're going to think that's my price because I want more than that. And, yeah. like, and, and at the time, the comedian I'm talking about, I don't want to talk for his, but was, was worth more. 
right. was worth more than the thousands. Because even though it's whatever, let's say somebody's going to give you three, four thousand, right? But you're making thirty thousand on a weekend, so then people go, "Oh no, you could get this person. You could get this person for like, even though they're making twenty five k a show, they they just took this deal from so and so who only gave them four grand. Oh yeah. And and when that person said that, they were like, they'll think that's my price. I was like, that's brilliant. It's yeah. not greedy. It's brilliant. Yep. It's not. You know what I mean? You got to know. You got to know when to. But you just well, can't and things be travel shit. and referral too in this business. You know what I mean? Like you know, you do a show for this company, this function, this this corporation. They'll yeah, we had this. Th- you know what I mean? So again, like you said, they're gonna figure out that's the price. Hey, they did it for this much. Yeah. You know? Oh, we contacted last year. They said it was like I I, I fully get it, and that's that's why people think comics think that that you know oh you're gonna do it with this one person and no one's ever gonna find out or whatever. It's oh it's out there. Yeah. You know so so ask for what you're worth. Absolutely. Um, so again, like I said, another book and congratulations again, I could say it a million times and still Appreciate feel like it. it's, but yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for you, buddy. And, and like I said, so for anyone who's listening, who just wanted to hear about how last night went, that's, that's about at least we'll probably get back to it. Maybe once or twice more, I'm sure it'll come back because it was too, it was too fantastic. It's, it's at the tip of our tongue still. But, um, so for anyone who wanted to know how that went now, now, you know, I'm going to do what I always do with my guests and I want to just, you know, give you a little bit more background, you know, the, the height of his success at this point, but of course for any comics out there going, well, yeah, that's great. And he's huge and he does all these amazing things. Well, you know, he started at one point just like you guys did. You know, so I wanted to ask you, like I ask everyone, how did you get started in comedy? What got you started doing stand-up? Um, I always, as a little kid, was just crazy intrigued by it. And um, Eddie Murphy, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy Raw changed my life, made me want to do it. My dad took me to see it when I was 10, uh, totally against my mother and grandmother's wishes because of the language. And <laughs> I was like, Dad, you got to take me. And he probably self took me selfishly for him. But because he, he, you know, we were we had visitation days on Sunday because my parents were divorced and uh, I locked in, man. And then, you know, just like uh, Rodney Dangerfield, my dad also took me and my brother to see Rodney Dangerfield, Radio City Music Hall. And I was a kid. By the end, I was like sleeping. But I just remember being around it. And uh, it was awesome. And then, I, you know, I was always people always thought I was funny in high school telling stories. And, um, I, we'd always joke and be like, man, we're going to go down to the city. Like the, me and my, like one, me and this one kid would go, know, we're just going to go down to the city and go get you an agent. Just, you know, <laughs> and like, I thought I would just go the oh, agent store. Yeah. Like <laughs> I was just going to go he's funny. Watch him do something. I was just going to do something like in the office and he go, you know what? I'm going to, you know, um, but a buddy of mine was working, I think doing construction job or something. And, uh, I think it was construction, but he was in Woodstock, New York. Uh, and he said, there's this bar that does a Tuesday night open mic why don't you do it and I drove out there with him and a couple people and I did like five of the worst minutes ever like I mean my my, I had jokes like the cigarette I didn't even write I just was like yeah the cigarette pack says may cause cancer it does cause cancer like it was just it was like ridiculous (laughs) And, uh, and like yeah and I remember a heckler saved me because, really? Yeah, I was doing a joke about how there's no. They all Asian. think they're saving us, by the way. I know, but like this guy actually, <laughs> this guy actually like actually bailed me out because uh, I was like, yeah, there's no Asian rappers, and like I didn't know where to go after that. So then this heckler just comes out, he goes, dude, kung fu shit, and he just starts doing this thing, and I was like, all right, like, and it was awful, and it didn't go well. So I remember, I felt bad, and I walked right up to the. I mean, it wasn't awful, awful, but it was definitely not good at all. How old were you? Twenty-one. 21 your was, first time. I was 21. Did you bring friends or family and, uh, or anybody like that? Or no, no, so what happened, so the, I just went with a couple people. So okay. what happened was I walked up, and this wasn't an open mic for stand-up. This was an open mic. Oh, so like music open so mic. Like, so like, so like, you could do, yeah, you could go read a poem after watching. It was an open mic okay. for, you know, music, anything. And um, I remember 
I'm pretty sure. Yes, it was. I was the only comedian. I, I think I was the only comedian. And uh, from what I saw, and I remember going to the booker and I said, you do this every Tuesday? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I'm coming next week. Put me on for next week. I'm coming next week. And he was like, okay. And I wrote and I wrote. And then a couple of car loads of friends came. Okay. And it went unbelievable. I might've done like 15 minutes of like, and I mean, I was just, I mean, looking, if I would look at it now, it's probably absolutely horrid. It's like just awful. Oh yeah. Well, it's that's whole, I can't watch myself. I had my original set and I can't, I can't get through it. I can't. Yeah. I wanted to show up my girlfriend. It was before her and I were together. I tried to, to sit her down and watch it, and I had I had I had to turn it off. I should have just yeah. walked out of the room, and let her finish watching. I turned it off and I, I cringed. Yeah, it, it was probably bad, but I remember it went well. And then one guy, one local guy, made me feel good. He walked up and he goes, "Much better than last week." Some older man. Oh, cool. And that made me feel good. And then I was like, "All right." So then, like all of a sudden, now I'm like, "I, I might, I could be in movies." Like just you know the delusion. <laughs> um, and I remember calling clubs in New York City, and one was like New Talent Night. And um, this guy ended up being a snake, but he called me and he goes, hey, Paul, got your message. We do a new talent night. You got to bring three paying customers and all this stuff. And I remember like, I was like, oh, man, yeah, my, somebody told me you called. I almost fell out of the, you know, I almost jumped out of the shower. And he's like, well, we like when you shower. He's just a, awful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I thought that was funny at the time. I was just so psyched that yeah, I got yeah, called. Yeah. I'm like this New York City club. And I, I went down with three friends and they paid. I was never more nervous. They told me I'd go on around 9.30. Probably went on around 11.15. Wow. There's like fucking 80 comedians who have three paying friends in there. You're sitting there. And I, um, I, I went there and I did a joke. I, I was like, my mom called me jerking off and I had like my shirt over my head. I had my shirt over my head and I'm like doing this like, and I killed. But, um, I, so then it just started to do bringers. And then all of a sudden I, I ran into a friend that I'm um, no longer, you know, we don't really hang out anymore or talk for years, but he's like, man, you're funny. Do this. And he was actually, his name is, uh, well, I don't even want to get into totally that. Up to you. Totally up to yeah. You. Um, no, I'll say it. Why wouldn't I say it? his name is Bill Scully? He was absolutely hilarious. And we just kind of drifted apart because of, you know, the business and all kinds of stuff like that and where we were going directions. And it was just but um, he he was like, man, you're funny. You need to do this. And I remember like I was kind of not taking it seriously. I was like, I'd go on vacation. He'd be like, listen, dude, I can't hang out with you anymore if you're not going to get into this. Like he was like a friend like that. Um, and uh, he's like, hey, this woman, Nigel Wright. Oh, my God. I haven't said that forever. This woman, Nigel Wright. She was trying to put together a, a like a like a cl- like a like comics like a little circle kind like of like a little circuit okay. of her own, and um, great woman, and Nigel Wright and I remember he's like yeah we're gonna go down to New York Comedy Club like four o'clock and audition, and you know it was kind of a black circuit thing but like they wanted to have a couple of white guys. And I went up, and like right when I went up, she started laughing. She's like, I knew I was going to put you on this thing. So she put together this, like, you know, it was an urban show. And, uh, you know, I was like one of the few white guys on the black show, and I killed. And then people were like, hey, man, come and do this. So then I started doing black rooms. And then I started getting good in black rooms. And then I was like, you got to get him on this, and I'll get him on this. And then, like, I started a lot of, like, bigger black comedians were like, uh, you know, this dude is funny. Um, so, and like, I mean, I had some unbelievable stories where it was like, it was literally like eight mile shit. It was right. like, it was like Eminem eight mile where I'd walk in. I remember I drove from upstate New York. Okay. Hour and a half to uptown comedy club in Harlem, New York, down by the 125th street. And they were like, yeah, you're going to do five minutes. No, you're going to do six minutes. You're not getting paid. And it was, and I did it and it was 250 black audience members that wanted to boo anybody that wasn't good right. probably and i went up and i did my thing and it was only five minutes and i got no money and i remember going home in my car my little toyota tricell four you know four, four cylinder whatever 
Um, and, and I was like, man, I just did it. I did it. And then all of a sudden it was like, it, you felt that, like I had to do it. I remember I did Wendy Williams, uh, Wendy Williams, the, the girl who's got the TV show. She was a, a big time, um, uh, radio personality here okay. and there was a laugh factory here i don't know if many people know that oh, some people the, i think i i'd heard you know the laugh was. factory in la but yeah. there was a laugh factory for very short-lived in times square okay okay same thing the whole logo like at the laugh factory and it was in times square and there was something called the wendy william comedy experience and it was it was a very very urban room and it was you know all black audience members it was a black show so that's right. what it was and uh monster monster host this dude capone and wendy williams would sit by the side of the stage with her little click and it'd be like you know her little like you know and and these comics would go up and it was crazy it was packed and monster after monster and i remember i was there and dean edwards you know dean edwards i don't dean edwards was on saturday night live for a couple of years he does one of the best best Denzel Washington impressions. Okay. He does a lot. I might recognize him. If you put in Dean Edwards, you'll see he he was he was two seasons on SNL and he was just a comic who was just, you know, really he got he had a lot of heat and he was doing well or this was right when he left SNL though. And he's doing this and like the place is going nuts and you know like black crowds when you kill it's like it's people jumping and um everyone's going nuts and and somebody goes, "Hey man, you're next." But he's like really killing. Do you want to do you not want to follow that? Do you want to just kind of and I knew, and part of me, I'm not going to lie, part of me was like, you know, it would be easier to not, but I know I'm not living with myself. And then I got challenged and I'm like, fuck that. I'm following that. And I had to follow it. And I followed it and it went well. It took me about, it took me about a minute and a half. I remember like a minute. And then I just started killing the room and she's laughing. I see Wendy Williams laughing and the whole crowd's laughing. A couple of people wanted to hate on me at the beginning. Right. And I ended up turning it. And I, and I remember leaving. I felt great and it was raining and my car got towed. So people were like, yeah, you were so funny on the show and everything. And then I went and then my car got towed and I had to go to the place in New York City to pick it up. It cost me like 250 bucks. But I was doing things like that because, main, you know, the mainstream comedy clubs, you know, weren't putting me up. Um, and then I had that, you know, now I had the itch. You know, now I'm now I'm like I'm doing these rooms. I'm going to prove to people I'm funny. I'm doing hard rooms. And something happened where I worked at a club that you had to bark in Times Square. You had to give tickets to tourists, yeah. you know? Is that what they call it, the barking? I thought those were the bringer shows. No, a bringer show means you just pull up and like four friends pay. Okay. Yeah. I, I just thought it was you had to bring people. So I thought the barking was you effectively bringing people. Here's the ticket that my initials are on so they know which comic sent you that Oh, way. you know That's what, what they, I thought no, but they No, but they did that too. Okay. They they would do that too, where they would give you and you would just you know, but but you see people in Times Square, hey, this ha comedy is ha comedy club, it's not there. Oh, anymore. I know where it is. I, yeah. The one day I was in New York, a guy was like, "Hey, great comedy show." Yeah. Around the corner, and I was like, "Yeah, but I, well, I said no." But yeah, <laughs> but, but I was like, "Hey, you want to you want to see a show? You want to see a show?" And like then I would get sets that night. And I remember working with a comic. I'm obviously I'm not going to mention names, but I remember working with a couple of comics at the club when I was doing that. Like that was one of the first rooms that I kind of was like. You know, and it, you acted like you were in a club, but you were a barker, and right. but, but you had spots, and you were doing it with other comics, and now who, who have all moved up, but there was something called the Las Vegas Comedy Festival. Now they had one that like was big, but then it went away. Okay. But then a new guy started this thing. So 2003, 2003, there was a Las Vegas Comedy Festival, and uh, they were auditioning in all kinds of cities, and New York was one of them. And then Boston, and then Chicago. Okay, this person still running festivals. No. 
Okay. This person. I'm is, just trying to. Uh, I, I had one name in my head. No, this. this I would per- not ask you to do it. Just to, to. No, this person is not is not running festivals anymore. But it was you know and like you stayed at like the Stardust Hotel if you got picked and right. you know Stars isn't there anymore. But you'd stay there and you would do whatever you do shows. They put you in a room, whatever. But it was very new and and whatever. But it's Vegas and like people were auditioning for it. So I missed the audition. I didn't go to the audition in New York for whatever reason. And then I found out who won, and I was like. I could kind of compete with that guy. I think I'm funnier than that guy. To be honest, I'd be lying. I was like, I, I think I can, and I missed it. So I go, where's the next one? I go, oh, the next one's tonight in Boston. It's too late. So I go, when's the next one? And like, the next one's in Chicago tomorrow. So I had um, like 20-something hours to get there, and I wasn't flying. So I was like, I think I'm going to get in the car with my brother and drive 15 hours to Chicago for a three-minute audition to get in a festival. And I did. And one of my friends was like, I remember it was like, I think that kid Bill Scully was like, would you have waited for like, I wanted me to like drive him, but I couldn't. I could, you know, like me and my brother just got in the car. I remember we just got in the car and we had to go and we had like, took 15 hours, got there at, um, not even kidding, got there about 4.30 in the morning to Chicago. And like, Stacy was, my wife was a big reason. She kind of reminded me, she goes, are you and your brother going to go to Chicago? Are you going to go to that audition? Are you going to go to that? I go, you know what? I think we're going to rent a car and do it. And I called him and we got in a car at 2 o'clock that afternoon and we drove to Chicago and got in at about 5 o'clock in the morning. And I had to be, but luckily we stayed in a hotel where the audition was. Okay, smart. And uh, the audition was at 9 o'clock in the morning and I went to bed at 5 in the morning after being in the car. And I was so excited. I was really nervous. I thought there was going to be all these comics, but this was the second day. And apparently they probably went through like a handful, a bunch the, the day before. And now there's like 12 people waiting to go in. I go last of the day, and there's just three people there, judges. One was a comic, one was an agent, and one was the guy running the festival. And uh, I stand in this little tiny room on this thing. I'm exhausted. I just drove to Chicago. I could barely keep my eyes open. I'm standing on this tape. I did a couple of bits, did an impression of my grandmother, and they laughing their ass off. They loved it. And as I walk out, I hear the lady go, loved them, loved them. And I found out that the Yankees were in town that day <laughs> so me and my brother go to chicago white Sox game and we watched the yankees we were so tired we had to leave in the seventh inning we just right. could not hack it anymore and on the car ride back my wife well girlfriend at the time wife now stacy called me crying going oh my god the festival posted the winner of the chicago you won chicago you won chicago and i told my brother i told my brother I, I, I'm not telling you this for the podcast. I'm not telling you this to just... And I, I just actually just got the chills because I never told anybody. Oh, my God, this is going to be a great podcast, by the way. Dude, that's what everyone keeps saying because I just ask questions. I'm like, well, this is what an interview, right? You're supposed to... And everyone's like, yeah. dude, you interview good. I'm like, no, you do. You I do. just... Well, I'm just this asking is, what I would no, want to know. No, this is going to be a good... Ep- I do a lot of podcasts and this is going to be a good episode, I think. So, um, but I promise you I'm not let, making this up. On the way to Chicago with my brother, I said this to him. I said, I... I I have a feeling, I'm not going to tell you what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something. And in that moment, I knew I was going to win. I'm not even kidding you. It was one of the weirdest, it was one of the weirdest premonitions I've ever had. I got this feeling inside. <laughs> I got, yeah. You got to hear, it's, side note, you have to hear Savitz. He had a story just like this. I'm excited to hear yeah. it, but just the same, just that feeling. But And same thing, comedy, competition. And, and on your show? Yeah, the, the, oh, the, the, like last week when his episode Jesus. Jesus. same thing. So I have chills, just all these stories of these feelings. Dude, I need to, I'm going to trust that feeling if I ever get it because this I, is a pattern. I was sitting in the car and I don't know if it was just because I was like, you know what, I'm doing this and, and I'm driving and I might. And um, I remember, I really remember saying, um, 
I remember saying, uh, Christian to my brother, I said, I got a feeling right now, but I'm not going to tell you, but something. And I was overwhelmed with this feeling of that. I'm going to do it and win. And then I did. And, um, and you know, so I drove 15 hours for a three minute audition and I got it. They flew me out to Vegas. It was definitely a newer thing. I mean, they had some, you know, big people at the award show and stuff, but, um, to just be flown out to Vegas because I did that was amazing. And then just slowly, but surely just slowly, like getting into clubs and, 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 you know, just keep going. And it was just kind of like a snow. Hey, do this show. Hey, you want to do this show? Hey, can you get up on here? Yeah. You want to, you know, and then people would put you up, Hey man, I'm producing a show. Why don't you come and do it? And it just started to just, then, then you started to get New York city spots and then this and that. And then I had clips and I got a manager. I sent out uh, five managers, a six minute set that I did. Another thing I did, I drove to Milwaukee with my brother to for $350 for a weekend to, to feature in a packed club. But I did it because I just wanted to see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I got a really good piece out of it, and I sent it. And one manager, my first manager, Tony Camacho, goes, hey, yeah, pretty good. And he started getting me stuff. And in 2005, I opened for Bobby Kelly on Thanksgiving Eve 2005, but then he left, and they goes, uh, who's coming in for the weekend? And it was Bill Burr. And that's the weekend I met Bill Burr. I met Bill Burr uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 2005 um so it was yeah right like the last week of november and uh and i met bill and we just kind of you know bill saw me do well um the first time i ever worked with bill do if you want to hear the the, this this is the first time that i've made me and bill ever interacted ever uh which is crazy to say considering he's like my family now he's my son's godfather he's my best friend he's my mentor and uh, the fact that that guy wanted to uh, executive produced my special and I'm you filmed the special what's that I'm joking yeah so, so <laughs> like yeah, we the, haven't talked about it. yeah oh, really the fact <laughs> that that guy was like wanted to put his name behind it and now I'm thinking about the first time I ever met this man and it was crazy so um this was Bill's and this is another crazy thing um this was his first big weekend alone like for like him like this was like a weekend it's like Bill Burr's weekend mm-hmm. okay um there was a line around the block at Rascals Comedy Club in Montclair, New Jersey. It was, the room seated 402 people, and it was sold out. And uh, it's just this huge box of just Jersey people, right? And it was all Opie and Anthony fans. It was all big-time comedy fans, and they're hearing Bill on Opie and Anthony in the morning, and Bill is a you know up-and-coming comic. He was on Chappelle's show. Right. He did a, a HBO half hour. Like It was just his whole storm just hit. You know, he's the Bill Burr storm hit comedy. And there's a line around the block, and I'm fucking, I mean, I'm beyond nervous. I mean, I was nervous the Wednesday night with Bobby, um, so I wasn't as nervous then because that was nuts. But now I'm like, it's another level of nerves. And uh, still not as crazy, but still there. And I'm going, oh, my God, this is nuts, and this is this guy's weekend. And, and I go up, and I was so scared, and I did some material on my dad, and I, and I crushed and he wasn't there. He, he So now I'm like, oh, this is a great opportunity. And Marion Groden hosted. You know Charles Groden? Mm-hmm. Her, his daughter hosted. Oh, okay. And uh, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but I see Ed Cavanaugh was the manager. Ed works now at Gotham in New York City. And I'm like, oh, what better time to get introduced after that set? So I see, I see Ed here and like to the left and I see Bill to the right and I go oh this is great I'm gonna go up to Ed and say Ed can you introduce me to the headliner can you introduce me to Bill and and right as I go to get Ed's attention somebody taps him and he's all busy he turns around and I'm like you know what fuck it I'll meet Bill later 
And I turn around and I start going downstairs to the bar to get something to eat. And I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I turn around and it's Bill. And he goes, hey, man, were you the other guy on the show? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, dude, you ripped. He goes, I didn't, I didn't see it. He goes, I heard it, but I'm going to mm-hmm. stand by the stage of your next set. And he's like, no pressure, joking. And I was like, wow. So then again, I, I, I went up. I had a great set. He was watching me. He's like, man, you're real, you're real funny. You got, you got good material at the end of the week. And this was when MySpace was big. He's like, yeah, you know, get me on MySpace. And he's like, I'm going to refer you to this room in Jersey, the Stress Factory, which is a, you know, a big room in Jersey. Sure enough, he refers me, but I also got, got in on my own. So it was almost like same timing. And it right. was like it was going to work anyway. And I did great. So I said, hey, dude, I got to tell you something. You got me in the stress factory, and I can't thank you enough. And my weekend went phenomenal. And I, I was almost over cocky, though. I was like, dude, I crushed. And, like, the headliner had a hard time. Fo- like, I went, like, a little too hard, but I, but it was true. But I shouldn't have been like that. And uh, he was like, oh, that's great. You know what? Next time I work that room, you come with me. Now, fast forward 2007. So now it's like, so it was just at the end of 2006, and then 2007, he, sure enough, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I actually hit him up. Hey, man, love to open for you. I, I would love to open for you more. And he comes back and he goes, uh, hey, man, I got 800 people asking me that, but blah, blah, blah. And I, knew, <laughs> and I knew Joe DeRosa was opening for him a lot. So I'm like, I'm never going to work with this guy, whatever. You know, but I would see things that he did. And, you know, and then the, the Philadelphia thing happened where, you know, yep. he went on the, and, and I remember saying that's one of the most remarkable things I ever seen. And he's like, oh, man, you know, thanks. You know, they were, th- th- that was this night. And they were like, there were people that are acting like animals, but what are you going to do? And I just remember the whole thing, and I, and I end up working with him again in 2007. He was like, "Hey, come on that thing," because he heard I did good. And I once he said, "Oh, next time I'm there, I'll bring you," and he stuck to it. He's uh-huh. that's the type of guy he was. And uh, we have a great weekend together, and we just started talking sports. And that was when the 2007 Patriots were the fucking best offense I ever seen. And I told him, "I go, man, your Patriots is the best offense I ever seen. It's the best offense I ever seen." And I think he was kind of taken back that a guy from New York, you know, was, right. was like just telling saying that. We had this great, we had this great talk, and I think we had a drink that night. And then, um, right around like the first time we ever talked, I got a phone call from him, and he just called me up, and he goes, "Yeah, you said the Patriots' offense was the best you ever seen." And he just starts going in on sports, and we end up having like this forty-five minute conversation. And then when we beat him in the Super Bowl, the Giants beat them in the Super Bowl. I called him drunk, and I go, hey, <laughs> and I go, hey man, I just want to let you know, like you guys had a great season, but it was nice to shove it. I said something that set him. Oh wow! It's like it was nice to kind of shove it up the ass of Red Sox fans. So, but whatever. And he calls back, and he goes, you know, something, Paul. He goes, you know what? I thought you were different than these dumb Jersey meatheads, but you, and but like love with love. Okay. But like you know, just it wasn't like harsh. It was just like, right, and I'm right, like, right. Oh, so we go back and forth. Next thing you know, it's just we just started to talk here and there. And then I remember all of a sudden I got a text one night. He's like, hey, you want to open for me at the Washington, D.C. Improv? And I was like, yeah. And then we just started to we just started to click, man. And, and you know, and then the rest is history. You know, opening for him, Carnegie Hall, open for him at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, Bill was actually instrumental in some comedy clubs in New York because when Bill started talking about me on the podcast and people were like, who is this kid, you know, that, that Bill's talking about, that, that he's bringing around? And I was uh, able to like, you know, hey man, come. Bill's like, hey, you know, this person meet the Booker, and then you know they would, people would give me stage time, and and then I was, and if I was funny, it worked, right. you know, and, and and that's the thing. So, and then just slowly, just you know, everything with a manager and um, opening for a guy like Bill, and um, you know, doing all the connections and and everybody that I met on the way up, you know, um, and that's it. So I just, it was basically like I. I 
I was funny in right moments, I guess. And and that's the thing. There's no listen. But it's the work too. I if yeah. not to not to interrupt, but everything from the fifteen hour drive to Chicago to you know, taking chances and, and accepting yes. the challenge of following that comic who's killing in the black room, going, Yeah, I could put a couple other guys and let it cool off a bit. But but that's the thing. So many people in comedy, like we start doing it and it feels good. But then when we want to take it seriously, we don't want to do the things that don't feel good. And that's the chance that we could fucking bomb because we followed the hot person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the idea that even though, you know, maybe it's not looked at as work, but it's challenge. But the idea is you, you keep challenging yourself. You keep working, you know? Yeah, who's going to drive 15 hours to do three minutes? Does that sound appetizing to anybody? No. But you do the shit that's not comfortable to get you to that next level. Absolutely. And you, you have to... This is the the truth is that you have to be willing like you it's not even a matter of if you you have to want it you you have to want it so bad that it, it's not it's not conceivable like people say like would you want your son or daughter to do comedy my son and daughter I don't want them to go through what I went through I don't want them to fucking sleep in shitty condos I don't want them to take long drives alone but if if they had to do it I had to do it. Mm -hmm. I had to drive to Harlem that night and see if I'm going to get booed by this black audience. I had to do it. It's, it wasn't even a question. Right. It was like, I'm doing this. I remember Michael Rappaport was on Bill Burr's podcast, and he said, he goes, when I came to California to be an actor, I didn't come out here to try to get in movies. He goes, I came out here, I was going to be in movies. I was going to do it. Like it, it's, That's the thing. You have to fucking make it in your mind that it's, this is, like somebody actually said to me once, they're like, how come you never talk about not, moving up or you never talk about failing how can you never talk about failing and it's like because i why would i i'm not ignorant to the fact that people i could fail i'm not yeah. ignorant to the fact that i can't get everything that that i want in this world i'm not ignorant to that fact but in my mind it's like i'm just gonna keep doing this and and i'm just gonna keep going up i'm gonna keep getting better i'm gonna keep writing i'm gonna keep pushing myself to be honest and hopefully the body of work will make me achieve those things and you don't dwell on it because that's what a lot of people do is yeah. once once something bad happens like bats nobody is going to just get successful without failure because how can you even measure success if you don't know what failure is yeah you know so the idea is just but you don't dwell on it. and that's the hardest thing that's hard for a lot of us is is when something bad happens you can almost use it to victimize yourself i've done it Absolutely. to myself i've done it to myself in my career but it, it's it's about moving forward yes the bad things happen there's failures so learn from it move forward you know what i mean just just keep yeah. going it's there it's going to be a part of it but 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 learn from it so once i got this bug and once i was doing this it was like wow maybe i can maybe i can do this and then i did it and i remember feeling good and then i'm like People are like, man, you're funny, man. And I'm like, really? Someone's like, man, yeah, you're natural. You're funny. And I was like, all right, maybe I could do this. And then I wanted to be the best of the bad comics when I was a year. You know? <laughs> okay. So when you're two the years in. The biggest of the small fish kind of thing? Yeah. When you're two years in, try to be the, try to be at the top of the class of two-year guys. When you're five years in, try to be at the top. So whenever you're with your class moving up, you want to be one of the tops of that class. So it went from like, wow. I'm doing stand-up. I'm standing on a stage that some Richard Pryor stood on. To then, oh man, maybe I could get okay at this. To then, wait a minute, I, I might be able to get good at this. To then, I'm fucked. This is life. Yeah. And that's that was that was the that was the progression. That's awesome, man. Like it's it still it still blows me away anytime. Just that that like again that comedy is a business, you know. That people are are paying money just to hear what we have to say. It's, you know, it's, it's we're very lucky, you know, we're very lucky that we have because we I don't want to say we're smarter than people, 
But we have a like you know comedians are fucking opinionated, sometimes loud mouths, want to be heard, want attention, but we do it in a way that's clever, original, and people people like it. It's you a, know? <laughs> and we get to be the voice of some people what they want to say and what they're thinking, you know. Yeah. We're kind of like the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We just feed them the yeah, it's it's truth telling, but it's it feels good on the ears kind of thing. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's great. And I, and I appreciate you telling me the story because like, it's, it's great to watch. And like I said, I already met you when you were infinitely successful in, in, in my, in my view. And, uh, and then to see the special culminate and see how great that was, that was, uh, you know, outstanding. Um, is there anything that you'd like to, to plug going forward? I mean, like you've got the, the Verzi effect podcast. So anyone who happens to be my listeners, please, uh, Paul's a great friend and he, his, his podcast is, is, you know, it's similar to mine in the sense that he's talking about what's going on with him personally, what's talking, what's going on with him, you know, in his career, you know, and it's a, it's an opportunity to 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 get to know my good friend and and what's going on with him. Yeah, he's well, a great dude. Well, yeah, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I do the Verzi Effect podcast. Uh, comes out. I mean, this week I was obviously slacking with it and my Patreon people, so I got to, I got a bunch of work to do for the next um, couple of uh, couple of episodes coming out this week. So, uh, but yeah, I do it every Thursday. It comes out uh, or sometimes Friday morning. Uh, it's called The Verzi Effect. It's on uh, iTunes and Podbean. And you can go to my website, paulverzi.com. Right now, I need to add some dates, but the dates are kind of cleared up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I have some time off here, and I'm going to just start going back to the drawing board uh, after I after I take a little time off. But yeah, all those dates, and uh, you'll see everything everything updated on paulverzi.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at paulverzi. That's V-I-R-Z-I. Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for this. And I want to thank any of the Verzi Effect listeners who were... Uh, who are listening to this particular episode, uh, feel free to stick around for other ones that are coming up. Um, but thank you, Paul, for inviting me to oh, your home to, to my be pleasure. a part of this, buddy. And, uh, and Thanks I, for driving down, man, both of you guys. Oh, it's my pleasure. I look forward to the special when it comes out. We'll talk again soon, pal. Thanks, man. Thanks.